Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Rebel Mama Hotline. We know we went rogue for a minute there when our province went into the third extended lockdown, rendering us tethered to our homes, homeschooling our children, and losing our ever-loving minds. (laughs) But we got our shit together to record this incredibly important episode with the wonderful Alison Venditti, who you may remember from a few episodes back when we were asking, what's up with back-to-work bullshit? Indeed. Allison is a career coach, she's an HR expert, and a pay transparency and equity advocate with over 15 years of experience in creating programs, policy, and change for dozens of companies and hundreds of individuals. She is the founder of both Career Love Career Coaching and Moms at Work, a community and an advocacy organization dedicated to supporting working mothers. Allison recently compiled an exhaustive report called the 2021 Maternity Leave Experience, a survey that shows Canadian employers are failing mothers returning from parental leave. Shocking. (laughs) But since she's not one to point out a problem without offering a solution, thank God, she's recently announced the launch of Ready to Return, a program designed to help companies redefine how they handle maternity leave and close the gender gap for Canadian workplaces. Woohoo! Yay! (laughs) All right, let's get her in here already. Hi, Allison. Hi, how are you? We're doing pretty well. How are you doing? Good. Good. Well, before we jump into a conversation, we first want to congratulate you on gathering and releasing all of this important data during a global pandemic <laughs> while trapped in your house with three children. Kudos, buddy. We That's amazing. Applause. <laughs> applause. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, Before we dive into the specifics of the report, we thought it would be useful to have you explain the correlation between maternity leave and the gender wage gap. So in terms of maternity leave and the pay gap, we know and have known for a long time that despite the country, despite uh, public policy, despite all these other things that women are penalized for taking maternity leave. Uh, And in Canada, the leave is not you know, we're not the US, it's not insignificant. Uh, And what happens is, and I'm sure many people have seen this, is that then you're denied the opportunity for promotions. You are told that you can't get an annual review. You may have missed one before you went on maternity leave. It may not time up or sync up when you come back. So there's lots of opportunities there that companies can fix in order to help keep wages rising for women but that it's like it's like being you know cut with a thousand knives right if you're missing all those opportunities uh and all those bonuses and all the things you know and you take more than one maternity leave um it starts to take a toll pretty quickly and do you think that the length of our maternity leave here in canada exacerbates that no what we see is that for women taking maternity leave in any country and so the statistics are similar to the U.S., similar to other countries that have shorter leaves. Um, they all penalize women for having children. Yet we are made to have children like it's our right. only job. But yes. anyway. Right. <laughs> right. So when we were leafing through your findings, there were some stats that really took us aback. Mm-hmm. Some of the ones that really struck me were that 95% of your respondents did not receive any formal support during their maternity leave transition. That's a huge number. 95%. That's crazy. 
right. 40% of the women you surveyed considered quitting during the return to work process, also a huge number. And 33% of respondents reported that they were discriminated against due to becoming or being a mother in the workforce. Yeah, these are seriously disturbing numbers. So how do they compare to when people take leaves for other reasons, like disability, short-term, long-term, etc.? Why do you think those differences exist? So, and we've talked about this before, and I was like, companies, when they look at maternity leave, they think, oh, well, they've got, you know, some paid leave and it's protected and, you know, like, so, you know, good, we're done. Whereas, you know, I've been a return to work specialist for almost 20 years. When we talk about disability short-term, long-term, there are formalized processes. So anybody who has seen what those processes look like, so let, let's give an example. I break my leg at work. I go on workers' compensation. I fill out a series of forms. I'm assigned a case manager who's going to help in my recovery. I, my manager is pulled out of the equation because we have an HR person to assist me. Um, they follow up with me, check on how I'm doing, make sure I'm going to the doctor, ask me if I need anything. And then they design a return to work program for me to come back to work, typically a graduated return to work program. And they don't let me sort of off the hook until I'm fully settled back in work and off I go back. So that seems like a good idea. Yeah, that's it's a good idea because <laughs> billions of dollars in industry in Canada, they're called insurance companies, make a lot of money doing this. For people who are on short-term, long-term, stress leave, all these things, they have processes for all of them, but none of them exist for maternity leave. Why? I can't tell you why, but when I broached the subject with a former employer of mine, they told me that it wouldn't work. It was just for women. Really? Nice, eh? Wow. It's just amazing to see how much process goes into all these other kinds of leaves when the maternity leave is just kind of left off to the side and we have to just deal with it. Well, and to be to be fair, it's it's complicated, right? But it's not that complicated in that other people have figured it out. So mm-hmm. like that was my goal, but I kept looking around and I'm going and saying, you're going to make me do this? I got three yeah. kids. You're going to make me fix yeah. this process? Like, and I was like, done. You're doing enough shit already yeah. just, you know, mothering in the first place. But I said, you know what? I was like, but why not me? I've had three mat leaves. I've designed million dollar programs. I've designed them for tech companies. I'm like, yeah, it should be me. Let's do this. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what's so smart about what you're doing is, yes, you are doing the work and designing this program, but then it can be implemented in so many companies and then yeah. you hopefully we'll really see the change. So bless you for what you're doing. Thank you. So let's go back to the motherhood penalty conversation. Okay. Let's sure. talk about the motherhood penalty. Let's talk about the fatherhood bonus. It might be okay. helpful for you to start by explaining these phenomena to our listeners. So the motherhood penalty was termed a long time ago where they started to dig into reasoning behind the pay differences between men and women and what sort of discriminatory practices were in place. And so these there are dozens of studies from different companies, different um, countries. And what they have found is that on average, women lose 5% pay per child over the course of their career. So that means that my gender wage gap as a woman, as a white woman, is around 15%. If I have children, I can expect to have more than that. So I have three children. Right. That's a lot of money. Yeah. But on the other side, they have found that, and and the reasoning is because there is an assumption that women become 
less committed, that they uh, are more focused on their children. There's all these assumptions, you know, that, that we call like biases that exist around women who have children. On the other side, when men have children, they're viewed as stable, right? confident, good leaders. Like they, they attach these biases towards men that then trips them the other way. So men actually make more money once they become fathers because of those same biases that now they're seen as, you know, real, yeah, like the ideal figure. And let's be very clear where this comes from. We have a very 50s ideology of what work should be and what it should look like. And it's designed for men who used to have someone at home doing all that stuff for them. Right. Of course. And it's almost designed to perpetuate that system. Yes, it's designed to keep men in the leadership pipeline and encourage women back home to do the unpaid care work. Of course. Yeah, exactly. And so I always talk about the fact, and Eve Rodsky talks about this a lot with her book, Fair Play, is that so many things have changed for women. Now, look at the number of you know dual income households. Look at the number of women who are working full time, but nothing has changed on the home front. Well, and look at the amount of women who are raising kids on their own. Like oh, this yeah. assumption is assuming that everybody is in like a cisgender yes. relationship. Yep. And that's really just not how the world is evolving. I just, that's a huge red flag of concern for me because I just see where things are going. And the careers too, right? Like they're working, like they've never worked before and they're in these, you know, top positions and they're doing all this incredible work and still we're getting held back, it seems like. So for me, the most upsetting thing that I ever read was that the wage gap is bigger between women and mothers, like not women without children and mothers, than it is between women and men. That's in every country, every developed yep. country. Yep. Right across there. So some of these things, like some of these studies are just so like, they make you like, you know, sit back in your chair. And I was like, nah, you know, I'm not a not researcher, like putting together my program. I'm like, I've read over 150 studies. And I was like, and I've reached out to, you know, feminist organizations. I've reached out to non-feminist organizations just to be like, where's the data? Will it show it to me? And I was like, well, that's not even us. That that's not even, that's not even okay. And the fact that I was like, so now you've put this out there. Now, what do we do about it? Yeah, right, right. this so, is it, right? And it's so enraging. <laughs> well, I can't wait to talk about what you do plan to do with it because well, exactly. my pet peeve is when people present a problem without solutions. Oh, yeah. So bless you for doing both sides of those things. But for now, I guess this ties into it as well. But what kinds of company policies do we need to see put into place to ensure that women don't keep getting penalized financially for having kids? So I think that there has to be, as we talked about before, there has to be a real plan in place. And this this sort of like ad hoc nonsense is terrible HR policy. Like, so I cannot in any good conscience as an HR person, you know, watch these companies just talk about, they keep talking about top up as though it's like, you know, the, the golden goose of fixing this problem. It is not. That's a nice bonus. But until you fix this process, um, and recognize that it is a process and it is a professional leave from work. You're taking a leave um, and, and needs to be handled as such. We're not going to be able to break down this cycle of sort of like ignoring people and not returning women's phone calls and not having a desk when they come back and not having a phone and all of the things I had to read about happening to women. Um, that needs to be fixed and that will help in like that will help put back in these performance reviews um, keeping them in the loop for um, promotions, all that stuff comes back in when you have a process. Right. 
I wonder how hard and how long it's going to take to enforce this and kind of get everybody to comply and get everybody to get on this bandwagon. Well, I think for me, I'm just tired of them. Like, you know, stop inviting me to like women's leadership awards, spend the money and fix the system. Like seriously, stop this. Stop talking about like how, you know, like all the ad campaigns, all the, whatever it's like, let's just not do this. And (laughs) like maybe spend the money and fix, fix the problem. Right. The way I've designed it. I'm like, this is easy. We need to fill in the gaps in your current policies Mm -hmm. here. Let me give you the checklist. Let me give it to you. So you go and do it. And then we can move on and talk about leadership awards because then we'll have more women in those positions because they'll have stayed after their maternity leave. Yeah. And you're so right. And I think people use it as a marketing angle a lot of the time. Of course it is. Just, and they're just saying that they're supporting women and it's a female led business and all kinds of words like that, that we hear all the time. But when it comes right. down to it, those policies aren't actually there and they're not helping no. anyone. Right. Okay, so when you looked at all the data you gathered for the first time, what was the stat that shocked you the most? I think that, so I knew the number was high for women who were considering quitting during this process, right? I knew that from experience. I've done return to work for a long time. It's, um, we know that that's the thing. I'm like, we know it's high for any leave. Like people going back to any place is scary. That's why they try and bring people back to work in like a certain time frame. Mm -hmm. But to have four out of 10 people, like four out of 10 female employees, not want to go back to work like what is being done to these women that would make them feel that way because our respondents were not saying it was like lack of daycare or lack of anything it was like they just didn't want to go back because of the way they were treated yeah they weren't supported no oh well i couldn't believe that a third of respondents cited discrimination due to becoming or being a mother that shook me So can you maybe describe for us what exactly that discrimination might look like in the workforce and what women who have experienced it, especially at the hands of HR, can do about it? Because that's what gets me is like, how do you escalate it when it's HR that's treating you this way? Right. So I, I'm going to start, I'm like, there's, there's a warning in here because it's about pregnancy loss. But when I was working uh, between my first and my second baby, I had a miscarriage and I went to HR and she said to me, well, at least you weren't that far along. Um, And, you know, um, but but there's nothing we can do. We don't have any leave. So, you know, like, I don't know, that was, that was it. And I was like, how do I scratch your eyes out immediately? (laughs) Like, how, how is that going to like, like, what would that do? And I just couldn't believe that someone would a say that and b that was my person that was my person that was my person at work who was supposed to be the one to help me and to help me navigate this because I had a small child and all the other things um I couldn't believe it so but I also couldn't believe the other things that were said to me I was told that I was when I had when I was pregnant you know with now my second child um I had someone walk by and be like oh career killer and I was like what and they were like well you know like isn't this your second like did you even work in between them Right. Uh, So, but I had over a thousand respondents and you know what? People talking about your body, people touching your body, people telling you about, you know, how this was going to destroy your career, telling people being laid off, being the only person in their department being laid off because they had small children. COVID exacerbated this. The number Mm -hmm. of people like moms at work works with three employment lawyers to keep up to the level of discrimination that is happening to mothers in the workplace. People are making choices for us that we would not make for ourselves. You know, we've had members go to the Human Rights Council, like Human Rights Tribunal, and win. 
but that takes a lot that's really the like that's the peak escalation point there should be a so what i've done in this program is i'm like for every sort of leave there should be an escalation point so what happens if you have a jerk manager what happens if you have an hr person who gives you the wrong information so there's no accountability so what we recommend for every good program is to have like what i call like a red flag person So we do this a lot with like tech companies to be like, if you have a problem, if you're feeling discriminated against, not the head of HR, here's the CFO, here's their direct email address. If you have a problem with something that's going on, you contact them because there should be a lifeline for women to get the help they need. Do you know how often they call though? When those systems are in place? How often? Like never. Why? So in the companies we not know about because, it? No, no. Because once the CFO is involved. Oh, right. Now they're scared. And the everybody's scared. Gets their shit together. Everybody's exactly. scared. But the HR, the HR seems a lot of the times to be benefiting the company and not the employees. Of course. But that, but they're paid by a company. Yeah. Right. To do that work. Like I'm in HR. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm handed a list and be like, fire these people. Right. Oh my God. Right. So, right. Like that's, that's what that is. But there are laws in place so for me you when i talk to companies i'm like let's talk about how much it costs to bring on a new employee at a senior level it's kicking in close to 100 grand once you go through the hiring process training them getting them up to speed putting in all the work adding the all the things like it's a lot of money so let's not discount that thing also i'm like please let's not do this whole like I don't know how, where, why women don't want to work for us. We've done everything. We did this initiative. And I'm like, because nothing's changed. You just like waving your arms around doesn't make anything different. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, we, in our book and get your shit together, it was really important for us to have an employment lawyer contribute and just get all of people's rights down on paper so that even before you even tell your boss that you're going on maternity leave, you know your rights because it's really right. empowering to know your rights. And then, you know, if your HR person has screwed up too, then, you yep. know, you know that you can escalate it and there is a human rights tribunal that you can go to. But nobody wants to do that. Who wants right? to do that? Nobody right. don't wants to do that. Like what, what, like, do you have time to go to a, it takes three years. Right. Yeah. I got three kids and right. you know, I'm like, I like, and who's going to watch them while I go to the human <laughs> right? Like all these things that come into place. So I'm like, the point is we shouldn't have to get there. And you know what? Companies don't want it either. So usually they will sign off or, or, or do a workaround, but like, let's not have to get to that point. And why do we get to those points? It's because of crappy managers. Yeah. Right. Not yeah. because of some malicious executive, like most places, you know, look at a big bank. No one's going to know this is happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even in big organizations that have fairly good policies, the experiences we saw from women, even within a same organization, were so different, depending on if their manager liked them or not. Well, this is That's why not it's, so, okay. it's so important for women to, to be equipped with that knowledge and know what their rights right. are, right? Because it's not enough to put your, you know, good faith in your HR, or your manager, yeah. because they won't do shit for you, it seems like. Yeah. Well, and also, like, how much better would you feel if you knew that, like, hey, you're pregnant or you've, you're adopting a child or whatever, and someone hands you a package and says, here's what the company does. Here's who your contact is. 
How would you like to come back to work? It's so simple. It's the way you've broken it down is so simple. You think everybody would have these this in place, but I do think you know it's it's what you said before. Is like they're just waving their hands around, and they think by doing a couple of initiatives and some panels and some you know women led things that's enough. But like just put your money where your mouth is and like actually put the policies in place. Right. And, and really, you don't have to rewrite your policies, but you just need to fill the gaps. Some companies have great policies, right? You know, they do all the things, whatever, but like, you know, give us some options, right? How many, like, I think close to 70% of women said that they were not given the option, whether they'd like to keep their cell phone or email access or be connected to work. If you've worked at some place for 10 years and now you're not invited to the holiday party, now you don't know that your boss left, like, way to separate someone from a place mm-hmm. that they've invested like a decade of time. Like why yeah. isn't that like that infantilizes women in such a way that is totally unnecessary. Yeah. You could, it tells us we cannot make our own choices and that we don't have any options. Yeah. And you're dealing with the like most educated cohort of, of course ever. So that is especially insulting now. Um, so let's also talk about this concept of the graduated return to work, yep. because this seems like something that is just such a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then only 20% of your respondents reported being offered this option. Right. So what do you think the effect would be of having this graduated return to work become the new standard post maternity leave? And maybe explain what it is, too, for those people that don't know. So graduated return to work is sort of is the gold standard in leaves processing. So like I said, if you broke your leg or you were on stress leave or whatever, what they tend to do is that people. So that 40 percent of people who consider quitting, it's like the amount of stress going back to a job where you feel unsupported or anything. What graduated return to work is, is that you do a slow ramp up. So first week is three days a week, second day, second week is three days a week, third week is four days a week until you're up to five days a week. For in total, all it takes for that graduate return to work is, is the recognition that it's, a, it's about seven days over that whole transition period that people are going to be missing. And what it does is it encourages people to see that this is like we're, we're compartmentalizing this. So the first first week, you're just getting set up, you're getting your computer, you're getting going, and you've got Thursday, Friday off. So if you want to pick your baby up early from daycare, if you need to continue doing um, doctor's appointments, whatever, great. But it's also a nicer way to go back to work. And what we see correlated with graduated return to work is that there is then less lost time later. So lost time is missed days. If you have doctor's appointments, things like that. Um, if you do this at the beginning, A, people stay. So what we why they do GRTWs, graduated return to work, is because then people stay and then they are sick less often or use less sick days over the next year. So from a corporate standpoint, I have no idea why this isn't offered, like none at all. Um, this should be standard. This should be the way that women go back to work because it's the way that everybody else does back to work. Like, right. like it is legitimately the gold standard. They have forms on the WSIB website that like, is like, here's how your graduate return to work looks. Come and, on. Yeah. Like, yeah. is this something that needs to be enforced by like a higher level of government? To so the problem people? is it's, it's, so these are policies. So we have laws around accommodation, which was the other stat that just like made me want to throw up my mouth was that, you know, 10% of women, less than 10% of women were told their rights and accommodation options for breastfeeding. 
which is a protected human right in Ontario. And you were required to explain that to people. So I'm like, so that is illegal. You have to do that. You have to accommodate. And women shouldn't have to beg for you to tell them about that. Cause like how, what conversation would you like to have less with your manager than, so where do I pump? Yeah. Right? God, honestly. Like, let's talk about my pumping needs and maybe you can walk me through like, no, my, like, I don't even think my manager, like, I don't know what he would have done with that. So I like, I think legislatively you will never enforce some of this stuff, but what we can do is make it standard. So what companies love to do is keep up with each other right? Mm-hmm. Love to keep up with each other. So-and-so has this award, got to do that. So-and-so has this thing. So that's what the deal is with top up, right? A couple of people did it and suddenly it's the gold standard. Everybody wants to do it. We need to make this the gold standard and say, yeah. Hey, yeah. so-and-so big bank is doing it. So-and-so uh, Ontario public service is doing it. This hot tech company is doing it. Suddenly everybody wants to do it, right? That's the only way to try to turn this is to make it like a desirable impact. Because if we just keep screaming about how it's going to work, for us and how it's going to make it better for us it sort of falls on like deaf ears to be like you want to fix this female talent pipeline leak that is called maternity leave fix the process yeah well okay so this is what we love about you you're not just naming the problem you're setting out to fix it so tell us a little bit about ready to return and what it can do for both employers and employees very exciting <clears throat> so ready to return is five years and 10,000 hours of interviews and beta testing and working with employers and figuring out what will work and what won't work. And I had to come up with a solution that would work for really small companies and really big companies. Um, and so I, I broke it down and ready to return in its core we have is, it's just a program. So it's an eight part program that gives you the tools and the checklist and the package that you would give someone before they go on maternity leave that, that fits in with your current policies. So whether you have no policies and you're a new startup or you have lots of existing policies, you can piece it in together because what we're trying to do is create a cohesive system. And we're trying to create good HR policy as opposed to laying this at the hands of overworked and overburdened managers who keep dropping the ball. So we have a certificate program. It's eight parts. We worked in collaboration with the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Center at Sunnybrook who is um, leading the discussion on, you know, how to handle pregnancy and infant loss at work, which is something that is not done well and not done properly and so important. Yes, we've um, heard a lot of terrible stories. And right. It's, it's, it's disheartening okay. that in this day and age, it's still being treated that way. No, and it's, and you know what, it is such like to, to lose a, a baby in the first year of life, to lose anything, like for, for, parents for anybody around that situation like they need to be supported properly and what we're seeing is that it is just not happening so that was very important to me I you know begged Michelle (laughs) I actually begged her to be a part of this program because it's so important and it needs to be taught properly Um, and we work with employment lawyer and um, nutmeg um, uh, consulting which Angela does a lot of work around uh, breastfeeding rights and um, advocacy work as well so I want to bring in the big hitters who do this stuff really well um, so that is a one-stop shop so all people need to do is just take this program and we will help you implement it and if people want to do more then we also created an employer partner program so if you want to create more supports for your employees we do that if you want resources we can do that all we're trying to do is put it together and make it comprehensive so that people stop fighting us on like, well, it's too hard to implement. It's like, well, then let us help you. Well, here you so go. You can here, it it. Is. here you now go. You have Let me do it. Yeah. Right. 
And the other thing we did um, in all our interviews was we met with a lot of social workers and therapists who have no idea about this process, none. And so we created a um, ready to turn coaching certification. So if you are a helping professional or even an HR person um, and you want to do even more, then we make people, everybody go through the same initial program. And then we have a coaching program after so that you can help support women through this process under the assumption that not all employees, employers will do this, um, but that you need to know the ins and outs and how to really help someone navigate it if you don't know how. So we're trying to fix it in all different levels and we have a program for employees as well. Amazing. So we've, do, we've done all the work. I'm like, now there's no excuse. Yes. <laughs> I've done it for you. Here I've you done go. it for you. Like it says every mother out there. It's like, exactly. here's your science project. I've done it for you. <laughs> well, we think this is brilliant and amazing and we're so grateful that you've done this. So we'd like to know how we can support you in this endeavor and I'm sure everybody listening would like to know how they can support as well. So if you are, if you work for a company and you want to see this changed, like the certificate program, I'm like, it's, it's 1300 bucks and less for non-for-profits. We're trying to make it really accessible. Send them the information. The website is returntowork.com or readytoreturn.com. Um, if you're an HR professional, please take it. <laughs> like we just want to, we just want to help people. We don't want to hear any more of these stories um, of all sorts of things that are really easy to fix. And if you're a helping professional and you want to help your clients do this process better, then we would like to help you as well. So that's what we're asking for people. This took every, I call this thing, like one of my babies, it's taken me so long to like get this thing out into the world. And I did it during a pandemic. So anybody who thinks this is a good idea, please tell somebody that is the I most mean, helpful. You can count on us to tell everybody. I have like <laughs> a list of companies in my head right now that I yeah. know need this. So we will definitely spread the word for you and get this out and make sure everybody knows about it. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? No, uh, our moms at work website is this moms at work.com. And we are developing currently a list of free resources um, about how to help people navigate maternity leave, um, about COVID supports, um, about how to file with the um, Human Rights Tribunal. We're trying to lay out all of the questions that we get all the time from members um, for people who might be too scared to ask. So those will be coming up shortly. Um, and then all the other things we love to talk about, which I'm sure we could talk about later, pay transparency, pay equity, and how we can make change um, in our society and in organizations. Well, honestly, we are so grateful for you and all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us today and for everything you've done to help end gender discrimination and to close the wage gap. Where can people find you on Instagram? Because that tends to be the most. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, uh, at, this is, at this is moms at work. At this is moms um, at work. Yeah. It's not pretty, but it's pretty hard hitting. <laughs> and um, I, I try and I try and bring the truth all the time especially for working moms someone's gotta they say it, it. So that's they me. need it and they need you so much so we're super thankful thank you everyone for tuning into this very special and such an important episode of the rebel mama hotline if there's anything else you guys want to hear from us or want us to cover feel free to dm us on instagram or shoot us an email at info at the and if you're picking up what we're putting down, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. The song you're listening to is called Name and Number off the debut album Unrequited by Roshan. 
Stream it now on Apple Music.